Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And I'm Kathy. Kathy! Just Yay! Like, just like last time. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, Kathy, how are you today? Mostly good. I'm good. We are having to pre-record, so I can't make any of my frequent sports commentaries even though there are lots of interesting contests going on. So I hope everyone's enjoying this. Yes, all the great sports contests of the day have occurred and will occur soon. So and how wow. about those? <laughs> and wow, those results from the players that played them. Um, Good efforts all around. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, I will be in, uh, in, in beautiful Buffalo, New York, uh, uh, um, and uh, we're adjusting the recording of this uh, in order to uh, compensate uh, for, for my lack of planning and, uh, and well, everything else. Well, you do have a day job. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, they say I'm supposed to work there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is, this is uh, October 30th, 2022, the 21st Sunday after Pentecost, proper 26. Uh, we're almost, we're almost done with the season yeah. after Pentecost. Uh, uh, the next thing is, uh, is all saints, uh, and uh, a couple more weeks and then we, we start to kind of transition. Sure do. Um, so that'll be, that'll be very, very interesting. What all do we have going on, uh, at the church, uh, uh, uh for the week? of October 30th. Can you, can you fast oh forward your brain to post next Sunday? Uh, <laughs> you can hear the gears turning. Do we have a, we, we, we would have a, uh, um, do we have a movie of movies with social conscience? No, uh, those have now switched to quarterly. Okay. Quarterly. Cool. Um, we do have a book group meeting coming up on November 9th. Okay. We're reading a book called, um, Iona Iverson's Rules of Commuting. Oh, it's a novel. Um, promises to be kind of fun. I used to ride the train to work all the time when, when I lived in Los Angeles, and there were some really odd unspoken rules on trains, <laughs> um, including on Friday evening, nobody pays attention, and the women sitting in the back all shared jello shots on the way home. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, I if think you could see my stunned face, uh, that was a that's just like a jello shot rule on for public transit. According to these, women, I mean, yeah. shame on me for not knowing. Uh, the informed well, community has their rules. They. That's true. It was a community rule, not a transportation rule. And, okay. Uh, I mean, it just looks like Jello. What are you gonna say? Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, any any uh, anything else? I mean, uh, that that we want to want to highlight. Where I mean, we're really getting into the fall season. Uh, we'll have had. Uh, uh, we'll we will have the trunk or treat event. That will uh, have happened. That will have happened. <laughs> Thank on. you for everyone who per for participating. Well, we release on Tuesday it morning. On oh, that that's true. So the twenty sixth. The twenty sixth. No. No. The twenty fifth. Jeez, somebody open a calendar. No. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I Now's was, a great I was time. Looking at November. <laughs> Now's a great time to plug our website, which is holyfamilyfishers.org. dot org. Where uh, they tell the truth. Where where the the material is plainly available and correct. <laughs> And Trunk or Treat is on Friday, October 28th. Ah. 
Yes. And so if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you still have time to dress up. Exactly. Exactly right. Still have plenty of time. Um, and, uh, and one other thing I do want to plug, even though we don't have to yet, is the first Sunday in November, the 6th, mm-hmm. will be the first um, music and meditation, colon, prayer at 33 and a third at 7 p.m. Uh, Joel Bruns is uh, hosting, and mm. in the church he'll be playing various forms of music, jazz, rock, all sorts of things. We're going to do it once a month, first Sunday of the month. And one of the rules is it has to be on an LP. Uh, and Ooh. he is setting all that up, 7 p.m., be about an hour. And I think it will be a great day to start the week. That'll be cool. A great way to start the week. Yeah, that'll be really cool. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Well, um, well, if you want one more thing. Yeah, please. One more thing. We're here. Um, the Angel Tree Project will be starting in um, early to mid-November. Okay. don't have an de- exact date yet, but um, that's where everybody has a chance to um, provide Christmas gifts for children who might otherwise go without. Yeah, a, a wonderful, um, wonderful form of charity that we do around here that that, that is and it's very going, fulfilling. It's been going on for a long time yeah. and everyone loves it. It's so. very nice to be able to pick up uh, uh, an, a few angels off the tree and... and Flip them over and find out, you know, what the what the uh, the, the ask is, and yeah. then go and you know be able to provide that for, be an for, elf. for people. And exactly. If, and if you're an adult shopping for children, take a child; it's good for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shop it, for someone who isn't. Yeah, themselves. legitimately, uh, legitimately is. Well, let's move on to our uh, this day in church history. Oh, um, yeah. I've got a number of these, so uh, they're they're all fairly pretty good, I think, this week. Uh, a lot, a little bit less death than normal. Oh, good. Uh, so let's go back to our first event uh, that we've able to tie to this date, October thirtieth, um, is three hundred and thirty-five uh, A.D. Athanasius, uh, Bishop of Alexandria, meets Emperor Constantine outside Constantinople, and Constantine flies into a rage when someone accuses Athanasius of holding up grain shipments from Egypt. And what I'm curious, what this entry does not say is, who was he mad at? Yeah. Was it Athanasius, or was it the people who were accusing him? And like, no, that's my buddy. Yeah. Uh, So I don't know if you know much about the relationship between the two? Well, there's back in that area, the era, there was always a bit of uh, back and forth between um, Christians and the state. But in this instance, I don't know. So Constantine was mad and we don't know yet who. So feel free. For some reason, we're supposed to remember this. Yeah. And and email us at shortcut to Sunday. If you happen to be a a historian or historic adjacent, uh, perhaps, uh, or historic minded. If uh, you happen to remember this. Yeah. If you happen to be. Yeah. If uh, you were there. Let us know. Let us know who who drew his ire. Um, uh, But then we go like. A long time without uh, entries in in church history. 1536, uh, we zoom uh, in past uh, uh, years and years to 1536. Power is redistributed between the church and the state in Denmark, and Lutheranism becomes the official uh, religion of the nation. So Lutheranism uh, became uh, the official religion of Denmark in 1536. 
1553, we see the death in Strasbourg, Germany of Jacob Sturm. Uh, he had been an ardent champion of Lutherans. A lot of Lutheranism uh, in, in the entries today. He must um, be big in the fall. Big in the fall. Uh, uh, he'd been an ardent champion of Lutherans and had signed the Protestant, uh, uh, oh, sorry, had signed the protest presented to the Diet of Spires from which Protestants got their name. I'm not, I'm not familiar with the Diet of Spires, that's, me personally. That's a, I mean, a diet is like a congress. Okay, okay. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so, an, old, an old word with a, a very different modern translation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Got to okay. stay on that diet of Spires. Or... Imagine what it was like for people who attended the Diet of Worms. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was a real thing, just by the way. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with a capital D or a little D? I, I shuddered a little bit. A capital D, D for diet? D, diet. With a capital D, yeah. Okay, so yeah. it was the, a Congress. Yes, okay. no one forced Martin Luther to eat worms. But... <laughs> well, it sounded like something you'd want to do. Guess I'll go eat worms. 1768, Philip Embury preaches the dedication service for, of the first Methodist chapel in America, a building he had helped erect with his own hands, located on John Street in New York City. That is a, coming from a history of me, the Methodist Episcopal Church. Huh. So 1768, uh, and the Embury uh, dedication of uh, of that uh, church 1779 christian poet and former slave phyllis wheatley publishes a notice in the evening post and general advisor of boston requesting subscriptions for a new book of poems um 1831 baptist minister and escaped slave nat turner yeah. is captured and jailed in jerusalem virginia ironically yeah very that ironic a bad thing 1855, William H. Miles professes a hope in Christ. He will become one of the early bishops of, and this is, to be clear, the name of the church, the Colored Methodist Episcopal Church. Yeah. So uh, professes uh, and becomes one of the first bishops there. Uh, 1879, a council of Protestant missionaries in Tokyo undertakes translation of the Old Testament into Japanese. Mm -hmm. um so uh i i think a lot of times we think about translations of the bible and assume like it's been to all four corners of the earth for forever 1879 well a long time for me is not that long historically so right right and actually there's some languages that's still being translated into mm -hmm. uh 1897 well-known congregationalist minister and publisher uh, Lehman Abbott delivers an address in New York uh, at the funeral of economist Henry George. He ha George had proposed that the economic rent of land should be shared by society rather than being owned privately. Hmm. So, socialism. <laughs> yeah. uh, 1902, Leo XIII publishes Vigilante, an ap apostolic letter founding a commission of Eminent men whose duty it will be to defend scripture. I find that phrasing interesting. <laughs> Wasn't sure if you had any insight I, on what a commission of eminent men would look like. Well, I feel left out. I, <laughs> 1902, I, I have a feeling they didn't care so much. Uh, <laughs> that was kind born, of their, their thing. I hadn't fought the good fight. Um, and yeah. it's the Roman Catholic tradition, so they're still kind of... Yeah, you're, you're still not really quite invited to the table. Um, 
Well, that's why I'm here. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. You are welcome at this table. 1984, the body of Reverend Jerzy Popolowski, abducted 11 days earlier by the Polish secret police, is found with marks of torture. That's 1984. Yep. Um, so Not exactly the good old days. No. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know as if you're like me. I don't. 1984 i don't really necessarily think of the polish secret police as being heavily active that's well that was before um the fall of the soviet empire oh okay okay and okay. so you know they were the polish secret police but they were very much connected with the then kgb of the soviet union and mm -hmm. were mm -hmm. part of the big <laughs> the big thing yeah 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 of, East of uh, Eastern Europe of being controlled by Moscow. Yeah, they still. Uh, I, yeah, I guess that's true. They, they, they still had a decent amount of that influence. Um, Huge amount. Um, and not long after that, um, particularly within Poland, the successful movements against the Soviet control started to unfold, and um, the Roman Catholic Church was a major positive force in hmm. uh, working for the freedom of. Mm. Yeah, I, I, keep, I keep forgetting how much has actually happened since I've been born. Um, uh, there, there, there's still a fair amount of movement. Uh, that... You are, you are a person of history now. Ah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that doesn't. That makes me feel nice and young. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm a person of ancient history. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, let's make me feel younger. Let's let's uh, go back to actual ancient history. Uh, um, by way of, uh, of our first reading uh, uh, today, which is Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who asked this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hand, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now. Let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Um, so, first, this is uh, this is obviously first Isaiah since right. it's chapter one, um, uh, and we we kind of miss out on the introduction. Uh, is it really an? Maybe it's not the 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 start of the chapter. Uh, in, in verses one through nine, is there kind of like an introductory phase uh, that that the writer uh comes to the comes to the audience with or is it just do we just get right into it there's there's one verse of who isaiah is and then we get right into it 
Gotcha. So, so starting with verse two, it's this same theme. And I'm trying to remember. So right off the top, we start, we we are the 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 the, the writing is addressing uh, directly Sodom and Gomorrah. Where? Well, not really. They're long gone. <laughs> I was going to say. I was going to say, where is that story? So it's, it's not it's anywhere name, near Isaiah, right? It's name calling. Oh, okay. Um, it, it's that little gotcha. slap uh, at Jerusalem. <clears throat> gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so, so automatically uh, getting the audience to know where <laughs> where they stand where they stand with this author of like, Did hey. Knowing, you, knowing that Isaiah is not going to be patting them on the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you terrible children. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. He's shaking his finger the whole time. Yeah, yeah and, and a lot of what is described here at the beginning part of this reading, um, I kind of waffle a little bit back and forth between going, oh, yeah, this is like, you know, uh, ritualistic, uh, 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 horrible, sacrificing bad habits. But then also going, well, they carried out some of these traditions for many, many years later. The, 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 the offering of sacrifices definitely continued outside of Isaiah and, and, and you know, into Jesus's era. And um, so what is the subtle nuance here in the, the, this writing that makes what Isaiah is talking about bad and what tradition continued acceptable or did the continued tradition miss the mark with isaiah well you know in in all the prophets and even beyond that there's um a complaint on god's behalf of people who are i would say just going through the motions mm. um i i don't see isaiah on behalf of god or god through isaiah saying um, I don't want you to do any of this anymore. What, you know, there's that kind of a telling line. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Gotcha. So that's kind of the key that. Um, yeah, I was going to say, because some of the other language does make it sound like, hey, what you're doing is pointless. I mean, the bringing it, offerings it is can. futile. It can. Like, okay. But, that sounds like stop to me. But this whole section ends also with a very hopeful thing of God saying, let's sit down and talk about this. Let's get yeah, I, straight. I and, really like that, the, the um, language of that. You know, your all the redness of your sins will, will go away and you'll be clean and white and pure. And um, we can question that language, but that's what it says. Um, <laughs> oh, we love to question that language here. We do. Uh, we do. Um, yes. that, that's one of my favorites. And in fact, actually, I did want to actually ask a question along those lines, Bruce, uh, Kathy. The, uh, the the phrase there that you were referring to in 18, come now, let us argue it out. Uh, the, the word argue, is it, it uh, we have, with, with argue in modern terms, there's a bit of combatant, uh, combativeness that is implied in that word. I'm wondering yeah. if the original word is because it, it sounds like it's more uh, uh, the invitation is more um, it more implies like let's have a two way conversation about this or is God saying let's have this conversation where you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in in 
when we have arguments with people, mm -hmm. it's usually to settle a point where we're disagreeing. Where, and it's in a civil situation. Mm -hmm. An argument is intended to find a common ground, to find where we can, you know, compromise and be happy and, um, or at least be semi-happy and get through it and get on with what needs to happen. And I think, um, you know, God's smart enough to do that. Mm -hmm. um, or the prophet is smart enough to do that. And, you know, it, it would be very easy for this person who's doing the flat version of ritual um, to just say, well, you know, look, I have time to get in there and do this. I have a job to do. I need to go feed the chickens or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And really, I do believe in you, God. I know that. And you know that. But I've just got to get this done. And, oh, yeah. Sorry about the chickens I stole from my neighbor. <laughs> but mine weren't laying enough eggs. Or sorry mm. that I stole someone else's goat. I needed more milk. Um and, and, you know, that's the problem, that people are, were in these days, oh, they still do this. We still do this. We all do it. Um, we're coming in and we're doing our, our rituals, whatever they are. We do rituals every Sunday in church. Mm -hmm. um, having someone stand at the altar and put their hands up and down and, and say words and... Um, <laughs> Is that is that the official job description? You do that all the time. Yeah. Is that the official hands, job description? The hands up, the hands down, the hands up, open, the hands closed, whatever it is. You know, we do that, and um, and that's important to us, and we don't want to be told it's meaningless. Mm -hmm. Um, but in in all truth, there are days when you know people come to pray over the bread or to eat the bread and drink the wine and and to do whatever else we do in church. Um, and we come angry at our neighbor or fed up with our dogs or um, whatever it is. And what God is saying is that that gets in the way. Mm. It gets in the way. It gets in the way inside of us because the whole point of a ritual is not, I think, is not to please God but to draw ourselves closer to God. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. ritual is a pathway, um, not a token. I guess I would say that. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're up there trying to walk a path that you've already messed up with what you've done all week, whether it's stealing your neighbor's chicken or keeping your dog, um, that all gets in the way. Mm. And until you've, you know, that's why we do um, confession, mm -hmm. a, a, a group confession. We can also do individual confession if we chose, but we do confession yeah. ahead of the ritual to, to clear out the junk that mm -hmm. gets in the way of our being able to walk that path toward God. And, you know, we can, we can celebrate Christmas and we can celebrate Easter and we can dance under the new moon or whatever we want to do. But if in the meanwhile, we're, you know, covering our blood, our hands with blood by kicking the dog, yelling at the neighbor, cheating someone, um, you know, 
we'll, we'll come to Zacchaeus a little later, and he's kind of fun when you think of him in terms of <laughs> of this Isaiah chapter. But um, well, don't, don't don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. I, I don't think I did. Um, <laughs> Foreshadowing. There you go. But, There's our hook. Yes. Keep listening. We'll talk about Zacchaeus. Don't fast forward to 45 and 36 seconds. Yeah. That's that's cheating. Anyway, um, you know, God is calling people to, well, verse 16, wash yourselves. Mm -hmm. Not. Which is another ritual. Which is another ritual. Right, right, right. There's a ritual washing, but there's also that inner washing of making yourself ready for the ritual by mm -hmm. yeah by prayer by confession by a shift in how you live your daily life by making restitution to the people you've cheated if, mm -hmm. if you've done such a thing by making sure your dog is well fed and well petted and, and unkicked and unkicked you know yeah stop kicking it yeah. just pet it um that washing is important, and yeah. and it might be a ritual washing to go along with the actual inner washing. Mm -hmm. um, it actually does no good to wash your hands if you don't clean up your life along with it. Yeah, um, and I'm not t you know clean up your life does not mean you're a thief or a drug addict or anything else. It just means you're a human being. Sure. And we all fumble stumble over the smallest pebbles on the sidewalk. And we have to work on that. Yeah. One of to answer the question you asked mm -hmm. very succinctly. Oh, did he ask a question? <laughs> the the term it's actually argue. translated as argue. Okay. The okay um, Jewish word, the Hebrew word, sorry, is one that can be translated in render decision, decide, argue, prove. So really it's sort of a, a semi-adversarial tone. But that seems like it has like more of a procedural nature to it uh, as well, maybe. Like a, like a, a, because I know that I know that a lot of the functions of the conversations within the synagogue kind of we're teaching kind of followed like, yeah, kind of that kind of a pattern of like point counterpoint, uh, yeah. question, uh, question, answer or ponderance, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so. Yeah. And it, the, I think the interesting thing is that a lot of English translations, rather than say argue because they're scared of our, the translators are scared of bringing up the possibility of arguing with God instead translate it inaccurately as reason with oh okay but it actually is better to say argue with yeah but and it, in part god knowing that god's going to win the argument right 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 and but but it did seem to have some element of working through coming to a decision yeah coming to a conclusion of what needs to change and it probably won't be god right that needs to change um god is perfectly beautiful at how she changes um because god is a person of or a being of compassion and mm -hmm. you know if you're compassionate you're changing constantly not because somebody sacrifices a really beautiful goat to you right but because that's who you are and that's what you do. And um, so it's, you know, it's us who need to 
lose the argument. I don't know that there's a, it's not really a question of winning and losing though. I think it's more, which way will we head and how will we get there together? Yeah. Well, there's, there, there have been stories, uh, especially in the old Testament of, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them arguments with God, but perhaps, uh, perhaps reasonings (laughs) to, to, but, but no, you're, I think you're right, actually. Yeah, uh, you, there are, uh, yeah. of actual arguments. Where, Even wrestling matches. We're God, we had one just the other week. We, yeah. We had that. Uh, yes, where God loses. Like, or God, God uh, assuages uh, and, and, and changes yeah. their mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, or or, or yeah. The, the, the reasoning of the argue, or argument wins out and, and a different outcome occurs. Right. Um, because God is compassionate. There you go. Uh, so, so it seems like, um, yeah, so there's this juxtaposition to uh, rote ritualistic sacrifice and doing the things that you're you know expected to do and yet failing to do the the items in uh, verse 17 learn to do good seek, seek justice, justice rescue the oppressed mm-hmm. defend the orphan plead for the widow so what good is all of this uh, uh quote-unquote spiritual you know procedural uh thing that you do uh if you're not doing if there are no results, yeah, are there, yeah. What's the and, and and so then what's the point? Um, I am curious though that on on uh, before we move on, verse twelve, when you come because this is coming after the, the 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 conversation or the the mention of that they've had enough of burnt offerings, mm-hmm. don't delight in the blood of bulls. When you come to appear before me, who asked this from your hand? The the uh, the, the the fact that there's kind of a question here though does give me a little pause like the isaiah god through isaiah or isaiah on behalf of god however it 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 comes this line kind of makes it still though sound even with the answer in the next verse one of the answers in the next verse kind of makes it sound like i don't know if i asked you to do this you know it's it's kind of the implication I was thinking about this this morning, and this will sound absurd, but um, in the first place, I, I see God sitting there, you know, looking at her watch and turning the pages of the calendar and wondering when this is going to shift into something meaningful. But um, the image that keeps coming to my head is um, one of the things you might enjoy about visiting our house is that there are balloons everywhere. <laughs> many of them are shriveled up and kind of laying there. You know, there's no floating in their future. So many children blowing up balloons. Children, and children them. blowing up balloons. And, you know, they invent their games and then they abandon the poor little balloons and they're all over the floor for me to pick up. Um, Better but, than Legos. <laughs> those are there too, though. No. Oh. oh, yeah. The oh. Legos are right oh, no. the sometimes yes. they're, yeah. yeah, sometimes the balloons oh, no. are hiding those, the Legos. So you can't just stomp them. Dangerous. Yes. But anyway, you know, Here's what's happening in in verse whichever when you said, oh, 15, when you, no, not 15. Uh, 12. 12. Who asked this from your hand? Here's what we're doing when we're not backing up our rituals with a life that's aiming at justice and love and all that stuff. It's like bringing God a balloon that's been laying on the floor for three weeks. I try not to leave them that long, but really and truly they do lay there for three weeks sometimes. <laughs> um, usually behind a chair where I can't see them. But So you're coming to God and you've got this 
dead balloon in your hand and you're handing it up and saying, here, have fun with it. <laughs> well, there is no fun to be had with a deflated balloon, mm. nor is there any fun to be had with a charred leg of lamb you right. know, that's supposed to be your offering. Right. Um, that's supposed to be a representation of something, but has no actual representation behind it. If it's an it. offering or a sacrifice, right. It's supposed to hold the meaning yeah. of, right. of what your life ought to be. And usually, you know, these sacrificial offerings are um, something to make up for sins. Mm -hmm. And sorry, but a charred leg of lamb is not going to do it if you continue to be unjust in your dealings with people. Right. Um so it's, it's the dead balloon. There's no breath of life in it. So if we were to modernize this, since we don't do, we don't do sacrifices, sacrifices anymore, sacrifice. uh, um, uh, to modernize this would be to say like, uh, hey, uh, coming to church on Sunday and saying the prayers of the people who asked you to do this. If you, have, if you pray for these people and then go out and, you know, give no heed to them or consideration to them whatsoever and don't hold them in your heart as a result of that prayer. Mm -hmm. Why? Why bother? Yeah. Why, you know, who asked you to drink the cup and, and, and eat the bread if it has no meaning uh, for you when you participate in it? Yeah. And it's, and that's one of those balancing acts for church leadership of how long there, there's the phrase coming out of the 12 step program of fake it till you can make it. Mm -hmm. And so certainly if one's in a spiritual dry spell, this isn't saying, yeah, just stay away from church till you can, till you really feel it deeply. Right. It's instead don't be a hypocrite by being, by actually exercising evil. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not the everyday spiritual doldrums we're talking about. It's the, slave traders the mm -hmm. um, drug pushers the mass murderers i mean folks that are really doing evil evil things that isaiah is talking about here it's not not suppose, everyday backslide yeah i suppose that's a that, that's a good point for there for in in 16 when we're talking about wash yourselves make yourselves mm -hmm. clean uh isaiah does specifically say remove the evil of your doings yeah uh right. so he so he is he, he's not he's not chastising the um the mundaneness of the activity without heart necessarily he's calling out the hypocrisy yeah of of doing this but then doing the exact opposite of what it represents right. outside of the temple and the sacrifices he mentions are the sacrifices of very wealthy powerful people okay of oh that's a good point okay so yes. like rams fed beasts bulls lambs goats with fat whereas yeah. other people were doing like pigeons yep. and grain yeah yeah, yeah. okay okay yeah and and you know to, to go back to our own context in this you know the ultimate vision of of our life of prayer sacrifice offering is eating and drinking the bread and wine mm -hmm. weekly or more often if we can um If you're going to eat and drink the bread and the wine, it's not that you have to be absolutely pure when you come to the table, mm. but you do have to be willing to let that food 
change you. Because what you're really doing is, you know, symbolically bringing God into your life. And it does no good to symbolically have God in your life if you don't also open your heart to a way for God to be in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it, it, it's pointless. The world doesn't change because we eat and drink that bread and wine. The world changes because we let God come in with it. Right. Oh, good. Good. Well said. Well, um, let's move on to our psalm reading then. Psalm yeah. 32, verses 1 through 7. Happy are those who tra- whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I ke- kept silence, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Salah. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I do not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Salah. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. Salah. Um, what do we know about uh, Psalm 32 with the with the in, involvement of the word Salah uh, or Sela or I'm sure I'm you were saying it fine. Oh, okay, it's fine. We got it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the implication is this is actual like church, yeah. uh, uh, worship, use. liturgical yeah. use. Uh, and I'm trying to remember uh, exactly. I mean, it, it, it's like an, it, is, it, is it an instruction mm-hmm. of, of sorts for the congregation? Yeah, or um, the choir. Or the choir. Okay. The equivalent of like ringing ringing the bell during uh dur- during that portion of the uh, of of the uh the liturgy where we're uh, we're uh, uh consecrating the bread and wine like that kind of a that kind of a thing like maybe a ringing of a bell or the um i'm just triple checking um pause yeah that's what i thought it's really oh like a pregnant pause yeah ah yeah, but as you're chanting this here's a pause Gotcha. This is where you do what you said. Gotcha. It, it, you know, I acknowledge my sins. I will confess. Well, take a few seconds here and do that then. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's kind of lovely that way. Um, what does it mean to, got, to have God as a hiding place, to be surrounded by God? Mm. Think about it. Don't just... It's kind of, you know, it's very reflective. Everything we're going to read on this day is is kind of tied together by the theme of none of this does any good if you don't really allow a space in your life for God. Hmm. Yeah, that's what these pauses are for. Nice. What what about the word? This is a Hebrew word. Is there a is there a a, a kind of like a definition uh, in Hebrew for Salah? Or does it just mean pause? Pretty much pause. Um, pause for applause. <laughs> no. Exactly. No. Exactly. Pause Opposite. without expecting applause. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it's a fairly frequent 
stage direction. Okay. Um, in the Book of Psalms, so. Um, yeah, we do. We do cover. We do say it a, a fair amount. Um, well, actually, in the Episcopal Church, we we, and no one should say it. It's like saying it's like if you're in a play and you read the stage directions. Right. It'd be a huge faux pas. Turn right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It would be. It would. He yeah. Says aggressively. It, right. 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 <laughs> Uh, right, reading, yeah, to, to read it aloud, this stage uh, uh, direction of long pause. So you don't really read it. Yeah, and it, it may not be long, but it's significant. Gotcha. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's considered by translators to be a technical musical term. Hmm. So, hmm. so if I were leading this psalm, I know the congregation wouldn't go with me, most likely, because <laughs> we're always in a hurry to get through the psalm for some reason. Um, but I would say the, the the phrase "the heat of summer," and then I would just shut my mouth for a few seconds. Mm -hmm. Amazing, I can do that. <laughs> um, but you know, and and people would probably wonder why we stopped. Mm -hmm. But I think it would be a pretty quick thing for people to also go, "Oh, that thing we just said." Yeah. Hmm. Now, well, we I'm, have, I'm all for pauses in church. I we, know it makes it take longer. We, we have these. We have these in our in, in uh, the prayers of the people uh, right. uh, periodically, yes, which also are often ignored. Yeah, <laughs> as a state direction. Sure, but we actually write them down in yes. the bulletin. Uh, so if you are reading and following along, there is mm -hmm. that that actual written uh, uh, bracketed, I think maybe even uh, um, uh, instruction of. Mm -hmm. Wait, wait a few. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Or the people may add their own petitions. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, same thing. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder in in culturally uh, during one of these salas, would it be uh, uh, culturally appropriate appropriate for there to be any individual offerings, or would that be a would that be a faux pas for there to be any noise during that period of time? We we don't know, but. I would think it'd be a bit of a faux fa fa pas because it's supposed to be God's time. Gotcha. Any individual's time. Gotcha. Gotcha. I think gotcha. it'd be considered showing off. Okay. Okay. Um, what is it? Uh, this is only seven verses. It's not the full psalm. Uh, I assume that the full psalm is almost twice as long because they have a tendency to do that, or is it much? Oh, you actually have a very good guess there. Go, well, is it twice long? It goes to 11 verses. Okay, so yeah, it's only... It's not quite twice. Does it have the traditional uh, uh, Hebrew, uh, uh, you know, poetry uh, turn there at the end of like... Because uh, this is beautiful language of God, you know, God uh, protecting and God uh, giving you strength. Does it end with like the the, the, the woe at the end oh, it ends with both oh okay it ends with a well and the woohoo okay <laughs> to use the, to, to use the very technical terms yes, where <laughs> verse 10 is many are the torments of the wicked mm. that's what i was looking for <laughs> yeah. right there sorry to make you spit your coffee <laughs> um be but be glad in the lord and rejoice O righteous and shout for joy all you upright in heart Gotcha. That's how it closes. Gotcha. So this is this is a lighthearted uh, ending as opposed to the heavy-handed ending. Uh, well, it gives so you a little bit. It gives you a little bit, but yeah. it lifts at the end. Well, and the verse before that is, do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding. <laughs> so 
Sei lá. Hã? <risos> 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 Uh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this also, I mean, this is, uh, I can also see this as kind of like a nighttime bed, you oh, know, yeah. nighttime uh, prayer routine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's through the centuries. It's been a favorite of various folks whose names we remember, like Augustine and Luther and stuff. Okay. Um, in fact, legend has it that St. Augustine had it painted on his bedroom wall as he was dying so that he could read it over and over. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, anything else specific about the psalm here before we move on? I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it, and we cut out the, the, the weird woe. <laughs> so it just stays beautiful in our liturgy. Yeah. yeah but, you know, I, the psalm in, in any lectionary set of, of readings always to me brings all these other things together in a, in a poetic fashion and being a poet, I suppose I like that. Um, you know, I it, think you're allowed. Yeah. It, it, it condenses down everything else and really and truly everything we're covering in the other readings is, is in here. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think that's the genius of the psalm. Um, our youngest daughter, who's not that young, but um, she's young enough, um, she hates church if the psalm isn't read. We For a while we attended, I, I won't say what church it was, but she got fed up because they never used the psalm. And she was like, well, what's the point? <laughs> right, right. And um, I have to say, I kind of agree with her. Yeah, no, um, I, I can see that. It's just, it's, it's where the service becomes beautiful if we let it. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the whole thing is capable of being beautiful if we let it. But um, it's where we get quiet and we slow down and yeah, and we just you know feast on the words themselves. I think. Yeah, you're you're definitely preaching to the choir. I mean, we <laughs> yeah, we, we made a you're the choir. right. We made a we we made a, uh, a an adjustment uh, almost time's flying by. Almost maybe a year ago on, yeah, on uh, doing podcast. doing the psalm in on the podcast instead of the second reading because uh, the the first reading the psalm and the gospel had a much better fluidity to mm -hmm. the, the the concepts that were being built around. And I have to say, I got tired of the, the second readings. Uh, so uh, uh, I, I I feel much better with their inclusion in our discussion. Uh, I, yeah, I've really enjoyed it and got a lot. So if anything, I'd, I'd, I'd rather go to a church that doesn't do the second reading. That <laughs> could know, be arranged. As blasphemous as that is. Uh, I don't think it's blasphemous. <laughs> Give so, us more time for meditation on the song. There you go. More more salas. All the way around. That's right. Salas for everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, let's move on to our gospel reading then. Uh, Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was not. He was trying to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him 
because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. If And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the man, the son of man came to seek out and to save the lost. Um, how many gospel accounts does this story occur? Singular. Uno. Uh, so Luke, Luke's the only one who uh, 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 writes down this account. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is in a section as Jesus is approaching his, his arrest, essentially. He's approaching physically Jerusalem, and it's a section in the Gospel of Luke where passage after passage is only in Luke. Mm. And so presumably these are some of the most important um, in other weeks recently, parables. Today it's uh, an encounter um, in the Gospel of Luke. Luke really wants us to pay attention to this. Yeah. And in um, fact, it summarizes Jesus' whole ministry at the end. Yeah. I'm curious, just as I'm reading this and kind of breaking down uh, the story in my head as an author for Luke, what's the point of pointing out that he's small? What's the point of – of because you, you very easily could have the whole point of this story without the reference of him being small and climbing up in the tree um, – it's almost, in a way, a little demeaning uh, to Zacchaeus as a, as an individual. I mean, he's trying. Like, there, there's plenty of accounts in the gospel readings of where someone tries to do, you know, tries to get close to Jesus or to get a glimpse of Jesus, uh, and there's, you know, there's no necessary reference as to how they do it. Um, what is it about pointing out his size and the climbing of the tree that? enriches this story that that uh, without it it, it 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 changes its meaning well for for me what i see is that in other stories in luke people work their way through the crowds and touch jesus's garment mm -hmm. or otherwise force the encounter mm -hmm. whereas um in this case the fella might be scared of the crowd because he's a icky tax collector for the romans right and a little guy so easy to pick on yeah yeah. That, Presumably, yeah, you know, I the, suppose. The crowd, you won't know who was the one who kicked him in the rear. Um, and traditionally, it's it's interpreted as an act of humility on his part. Mm -hmm. That he, he knows he's not really worthy of getting in Jesus' face. Hmm. Do you see that well, differently, Kathy? You being over six feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> I measure in at barely five feet if I take my shoes off. Um I know what it's like to be short, and I know there are a lot of people in the world who are full-grown adults who are shorter than me, and um, it puts you at a disadvantage in a number of ways. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, climbing the tree might have been the only way to see if you if you've um, if you have children and you've taken them to a a big event somewhere, and you're standing and you're looking at something just you know. 20 feet in front of you um your child is looking at someone else's rear end 
you know, they're not looking at what you're seeing. Right. And so life is a very different experience if you're short versus being tall. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That just resonates with me. Just always seeing the back of somebody's yeah, head yeah, or yeah. something else. And, you know, you twist and you turn and you jump up and down and you stand on your toes. And um, my personal experience of being tall has been humiliating sometimes. You know, I have had people refuse to take me seriously because I'm mm-hmm. too short to do this job. Mm-hmm. I've actually had people say that to me. You're too short. You can't be a priest. Um I think I fooled them, but um, <laughs> anyway, you know, there, there are disadvantages and there are social quirkiness things about, <clears throat> about short people. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what we also have to recognize in Zacchaeus is that he was short in stature, but he was also short on love and compassion mm. and, um, and confidence that God would care about him. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of all the way around, everything is just compacted and not working out as well because it's all squished. Mm-hmm. And um, by getting up in a tree, I don't know if anybody else thinks about these crazy things, but I do. By getting up in a tree, you're sitting right there in the midst of where our oxygen is made. You know, trees take in carbon dioxide. They breathe out oxygen. If you want to be filled with fresh air, and if you, if, you know, you can go back to that great Hebrew word that I'm sure has been talked about in this room a number of times, ruach, which means both breath and wind, mm-hmm. and is often used to refer to the breath of God. There's a huge and beautiful metaphor there of hmm. of. Zacchaeus going up to where God is breathing. Hmm. Yeah. And what an interesting. Inspi- that, uh, that, when I, I don't know, that's what I've been thinking about for weeks now with this text. And it's just. That is interesting because that's really a layer that would, that me. only comes with time. Uh, I don't know, I don't know how, what their level of scientific understanding was well, at the time. They didn't know this. They, you know, but yeah. I do. Right, but that's what I mean. Is like a, a new added layer comes uh, uh, well, well past after Luke and, and giving any why, consideration. That's why the Word of God, as it exists, in yeah, scripture, breathes new life. Is important, mm-hmm. you know, because it it does grow and it's a living thing for us, and we understand things differently as the world progresses. And you know, science is really important to understanding religion, and. Um, not much of a scientist, but I love to read science, and there's much we can learn yeah. by doing that, and a lot of ways to you know enrich what we see in scripture. So that's that's one of my things. It's really important that he was up in that tree. Um, it's also important because it probably saved his life. Um, <laughs> being a tax collector was, you know, a very um very lovely job if you wanted to be wealthy. It was mm-hmm. a really awful job if you wanted friends um, or respect or security. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And two, two things, maybe three, that I want to add to back up with completely what Kathy is saying. In Luke, looking up is looking towards God, and going mm-hmm. up is going towards God. Mm, okay. Well, so, that's uh, that's also true in the Psalms. There are the Psalms yeah. of ascent yeah. that were read as you climbed a hill. Yeah. So yeah. even if he's on the, even if his, if 
he's only doing it accidentally. The symbolism's very strong. Yeah. Um, the second thing is, as he does this, because he is short, he is risking ridicule because he can't reach the same branches that a taller person would be able to reach. And what I, one of these things that prize professors horrify that has stuck in my brain, New Testament um, image that I got in a, New Te in a New Testament class was people being able to literally look up his tunic as he did this, mm. and, which was one of the most disgraceful things in Judaism was to be seen naked. Um, very unlike the rest of the ancient world. Um, so he was risking both ridicule and breaking a certain number of taboos about his own behavior. And the last thing I just want to add is to add on to what Kathy said about being wealthy, Jericho was a toll city. Mm -hmm. So the tax collector there made big bucks. Um, and... So he would have been ex he would have the potential of being very wealthy. Mm, okay, yeah. I was going to ask about that because Zacchaeus there uh, is saying, to "God, uh, half my possessions I'll give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'll pay back four times as much." The kind of I mean, maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe he's he's he's. Uh, uh, got his nose completely clean, but the the imagery of tax collectors during that period of time is if he repays everybody four times as much and gives half his his money to the poor, that man's well broke before he could be gets to the and, end of that statement. Yeah. <laughs> and is being in a deeper relationship with God worth that? Of course it is. Right. You know that. Um, very few of us give away more money than we have, but being willing to to put our money where our mouth is is an important thing. Yeah. Um, I was I read a little bit about tax collectors in this time period, mm -hmm. and um, not only did they, you know, go to people and say, "You owe the emperor this much money." Now give me this much extra, or I'll tell him you didn't pay up. You know, it, it right, right. Like Some that. extortion. But, but um, if if as if a tax collector was working in an area where there were you know like caravans of merchants going through, bringing cinnamon from China or tea or whatever they were bringing from wherever, mm -hmm. um, the tax collectors were not forbidden to insist that these merchant well, employees of the merchants, the merchants themselves probably were not on the caravan, but, you know, they could tell them, now lay out everything you have. I want to see everything you're bringing in here because I want to make sure I tax you accurately. Right. Um, and then, you know, the tax collector, and I'm not saying Zacchaeus did this, but he sure had a bad reputation as a sinner. So maybe he did. You know, the tax guy could go along and, you know, pick up the diamonds and the cinnamon sticks and whatever else and, you know, pocket a few and yeah. then charge yeah. this, the, the merchandiser, um, charge them full tax for everything they brought through. And they could often enough just set the rate themselves and pay what the government expected and keep the rest. That's how they made their money. Um, 
I don't think we have any reason to feel this way about tax collectors here and now. I mean, they blame the Congress if you want for the way taxes exist. Right. But, oh, and we will. But, uh, but <laughs> yeah, we will. But the, you know, the tax collectors now they get what you know. We have those fancy paperworks and miles and miles of ink to to put together to figure out what our taxes ought to be, and, mm-hmm. and that's what we pay. And it doesn't always feel good, but it's fair in terms of the rate is known we all we all are the rate is known the rate is published it does not there's not a a hidden um, amount that is found yeah but Uh, some of these people would end up paying tax for transporting whatever it is they're transporting yeah and never get to sell it Mm, so it becomes a real debt for them and um so just like what Isaiah was asking mm-hmm. of the people in his time, um, Zacchaeus is promising to do just that, to move back toward being just in how he does his work, yeah. earning a just wage and not not stealing from people. I, so, I'm, actually, I'm actually wondering about his status as chief tax collector because it makes me wonder if uh, in the tradition of pyramid schemes, um, yep. the perhaps is Zacchaeus not the one directly defrauding people? He could still be. That he's just like, that's what our, the local, like I just handle whatever the local tax collectors like filter up to me and uh, take an accounting of that and pass it along to the empire. Um, like... He'd be the only one in the empire doing it that way. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it's more like a um, you know organized crime thing where every level takes its cut. Gotcha. And his would end up being one of the biggest cuts. Gotcha. So, but if that's the case, then if he's <clears throat> defrauded anybody, he'll pay pay back. Is he? thinking is he considering level further levels down or is he defrauding the tax collectors who are under him (laughs) well no the tax collectors under him he's not defrauding them so you know that's how the romans have it set up they know what that part they do know yeah Um, it's the people who were paying the taxes who were never clear what they actually owed because it was whatever the tax collectors could convince them to give up Gotcha, gotcha. Or they could steal. You just missed that part of the conversation. Yes, I had to step out to be with the florist. There was actually actually theft that happened. Yeah. And um, you have to remember also, I think it's really important that um, even if the taxes were being collected on some kind of fair basis, which they weren't, but let's just (laughs) pretend they were, still, we're talking about the Jews who had lived in this land under their own auspices for centuries. And um, once again, this happened an awful lot, but once again, they were living under a captor. Mm -hmm. They had been taken over by the Romans of all people who didn't even live nearby. You know, (laughs) Rome is way over there on the other side. And, um, and yet their money is going there. They had that resentment already of living under under that oppression and to have to pay for the privilege of living under the oppression of the Romans yeah. was really... Insult to injury, for yeah. sure. Yes, absolutely. It was very bad tasting. So, mm-hmm. um, And then, you know, 
that Zacchaeus, who was supposed to be one of them, one of the Jews, mm-hmm. that he took a job working for the Roman oppressor that automatically knocks him down a few a mm-hmm. few steps in anybody's opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it well, had to be done, and, and I suspect that if the Romans had to send their own people out to collect the taxes, um, they'd be even worse. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Um, that's interesting, though, that, that as you pointed out, the, the, the flow of money well outside the region. Um, uh, not that it doesn't apply directly uh, to, to the last verse here, because the last verse here is talking about the Son of Man, and I don't think that uh, Jesus would ever say uh, that he had come to seek out and save the lost income. But <laughs> but it does also kind of in a way uh, uh, apply to that. Th- yeah. This this uh, um, th- this uh, step of healing that Zacchaeus is proposing would be the return of funds to the to the neighborhood level to the local right. level, mm-hmm. um, and and so therefore is also uh, a, a form of having been sought out and returned what was lost. Um, yeah, yeah um, I thought about and, that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, and, not that in in knowing the 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 propensity for uh, some people during Jesus's day to expect him to establish a physical kingdom, mm-hmm. might have, others might have been like, "That's right, get back our money." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But of course, Zacchaeus himself was lost. Mm-hmm. It's easy to get lost in a crowd oh, yeah. because he's no, short, it's... but he was also lost because I think that's definitely he, the direct relationship had, you know, with that so, phrase. So far, wandered away from who he ought to have been, right? And probably who he once saw himself as being. And um, sometimes it's hard to find your way back, and and it comes at a cost. Yeah, yeah. Um, not sure where he's going to get this four times as much as he stole and giving back half of what he, or giving back half of his possessions or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. He was a very lost man. And, and I think it's amazing how quickly, I mean, he so quickly turned himself around, at least in his own mind and in his willingness to, to say it out loud. You know, mm-hmm. just... And he's saying it in response in terms of the, the literary setup here, he's saying it in response to the crowd criticism. Mm-hmm. He's not saying it in response to a healing by Jesus or something as happens in other places. So, um, you know, it, it, he was very happy to welcome Jesus to his home, um, but the the grumbling still happening, and right. he's still being called a sinner. So it's not that it's the full end of the Christmas movie, the whole town square is filled with singing. Right. Um, so it's even more that he's offering to do this, even though it's dem- being demonstrated right before his eyes. Uh, the community's not going to welcome him back at, at least for a while, maybe never. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it will never be enough. Yeah. Well, and, and especially the, the, the reader... If, if you're going through this gospel reading in, uh, in one fell swoop, yeah, um, the reader 
can is currently in the position of reading this and going, oh my gosh, how do you not get it? There's been I've, I've literally read like five parables on this exact thing. Right. Like you know, oh yeah, the, the you know the woman and the lost coin, the, you know the, the lost sheep, the you know the prodigal son. Like how can you? How can you? I have all of Jesus was saying all of this for like weeks, and you you know yeah. then he's he's given the chance to actually find this lost sheep, this lost son, this lost coin. And one of the most extreme examples, right, in front of people, living out the you know the parable yeah. itself, and people are still like, ah, gross. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's too far. So so I think that's interesting from a literary standpoint as a reader. Like it, it Luke almost builds out this storyline. Mm-hmm. Maybe even with the express intention of you being frustrated and disgusted with this, yeah. you know, the, the reaction to this occurrence of like, of course, of course, Jesus responds this way, mm-hmm. you know, after chapters and chapters of these, these kind of teachings that, that would, should lead the reader to like, I could stop with the, uh with the, uh, the, the, the part of right there at, after verse four and the reader should know what happens next. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, he runs ahead, climbs a sycamore tree to see him so that he passes to see him when he passes by the reader can fill in the rest mm-hmm. yeah. as, as with, with maybe the exception of the, the, the crowd reaction, because the reader would go, Oh, he's going to look at him. He's going to say, Hey, Hi, you, chief tax collector. I'm going to spend time with you, and we're going to talk, and you're going to repent your sins and forgive and change your ways. And then, great. And then that that that's the way the story ends. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's uh, you're almost trained by you're chapter 19. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing to also just note to put it into modern terminology um, in verse nine. Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. His, the tax collector's identity has been returned to him. Mm. Oh, okay, okay. You are a son yeah. of Abraham. I was going to say, and that's, I'm glad you say that because my first instinct is to read that and go, we're not so different, you and I. You're <laughs> also a son of Abraham and I'm a son of Abraham. So that's interesting that you're pointing out like, it's it's almost like a a a title of like a restorative mm-hmm. title like very you are, much so uh, today yeah. you're back in the fold yeah hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. you know you'll get to go back to the lazarus parable in luke mm-hmm. where lazarus is at abraham's breast yeah the tax collector gets to be there too yeah yeah um yeah one one of the a few weeks ago I read a book called The Soul of an Octopus, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. And in that story, well, interesting a, title, The Soul of an Octopus. It's mm-hmm. a it's a nonfiction book. It's written by a naturalist, and it's about her encounters with a bunch of octopuses. Um, Octopi. No, 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 no. It's really octopuses. Is it really? Truly, truly, yeah. Because I, I stand it's corrected. A Greek word, not, not a Latin word. Ah, I, okay, gotcha. I, I made sure I studied that because I was curious. Um, but in the book, there's a there's a young woman who's autistic and um, is also working with a particular octopus in the story. And at one point. Somebody was asking her what it was like to experience and to, to touch this octopus and to see it and to interact with it. 
And she said, I saw her, referring to the octopus. And the really thrilling thing was, I knew she saw me right back. Hmm. And I think, you know, if if there is a, a thematic statement to be made about the Zacchaeus story, it's that Zacchaeus was able to see Jesus, and hmm. Jesus saw him right back. And, um, you know, we all want to be seen. We mm-hmm. all want to be seen as our best selves. We all want to be seen for who we are. And um, that's exactly what happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got this poor little short guy doing everything he can think of, even humiliating himself, in order to see this guy whom he he didn't know yet. And, you know, he, he took his life in his hands pushing his way through the crowd, climbing up that tree to see Jesus. And almost before he could even capture inside himself what it meant to have seen Jesus like that, Mm -hmm. Jesus sees him right back and says, come on down because we have stuff to do together. Mm -hmm. And um, just being seen is, is a groundwork for forming a relationship. And, yeah, and a, and a relationship that will go deep and will will change the way things are working, and that's huge. Yeah, I just want to add one thing. Sure. Um, and you know, one of the reasons I love doing the podcast is that it makes me see things like this that I hadn't noticed before. Um, verse four, um, Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Oh, no, that's not the one I wanted. Um, ah, verse before. He was trying to see who Jesus was. Mm. That was is key. It's not just he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus really was. The The term was is the term about existence and essence. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like just backs up what Kathy said, that he didn't really know who G- what Jesus was about, uh, but mm. he was willing to see who this guy really was, and seeing and Jesus saw who Zacchaeus really was, mm. and mm-hmm. miracles take place. Very good. Well, with that, I think I'll call to a close this year podcast for October thirtieth, twenty twenty two. If you find yourself in a tree, come hurry up, come on down, please, uh, and uh, join us uh, in worship on Sunday eight and ten a.m. Uh, with a nine o'clock uh, educational hour uh, for all ages. Uh, in between ten o'clock service, will be broadcast live on our YouTube channel HFEC Videos. Uh, in the meantime, uh, please visit our website uh, holyfamilyfishers.org to see what all is going on and all the things that we missed and didn't remember uh, at the top of the podcast. And until next week, I'm Ben and I'm Bruce and I'm Kathy and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.